0: Right, good morning, everybody. Um, Delighted to see so many people here today, and it's wonderful to be in Hong Kong, such an important maritime centre and great port city uh, and great harbour. We've got a fantastic panel here today. Um, We've got a tanker owner, a box ship operator, and a bulk carrier owner, as well as, most importantly, perhaps a banker. Um, You know, and (laughs) um, clearly, you know, in a changing world, um, we've got some big challenges ahead of us, and one of the big challenges is that regulation is having a significant impact on the development of the shipping industry, particularly green regulation today. Uh, these regulatory drivers, particularly perhaps the 2050 ambitions of IMO, um, are really shaping much of the discussion and debate that's happening in the industry today. Um, so. What impact will regulation have? How will the market respond? And will technology and innovation save us? Um, I think certainly the recent news from IMO that they will not be um, legislating slow steaming um, you know, will disappoint many. Um, but I think you know what's clear with the debate at the moment is that you know people have taken sides whether it's their Position on scrubbers versus low-sulfur fuel oils, or the role of LNG as the fuel of the future—that's available today. You know, clearly, um, there's going to be no magic solution. So, if we if we start with the panel, can I start with you, Mark? Um, in terms of 2020 as the most immediate challenge, are you feeling comfortable as the 1st of January approaches? And you know, what steps have you taken to get ready?
1: Thanks. Thanks for the notes. Is this on? Can you hear me? No. no.
0: Can you hear me? Hello? Uh,
1: I can speak loudly if you can hear me in the back. Um, yeah, good morning. Uh, look, 2020 for us, we will be compliant fuel operators. Uh, It's been a long time coming. It's had um, uh, an enormous amount of planning behind it. Um, We're not too fearful of it. As a tanker operator, we're in one of those lucky positions for uh, 2020 to be actually net positive for us in terms of tonne-mile demand for for products. Um, But in terms of doing the right thing, for us, it's about um, uh, compliance. We do have a lot of concerns around the products at the end of the day. But speaking as an engineer, by background, I think I'm pretty confident that we will overcome the problems. We will have some challenges. When those challenges translate into safety-related matters, I think we have the biggest concern of all. Um, The IMO has been aware, of course, through some of the changes that we've done through the um, uh, SICA introduction. The IMO has seen some of the first-hand experiences that ship owners have had particularly in North Atlantic, um, difficult winter times changing over from different fuels. And that still it remains a big concern for us because, of course, the seekers are a different sulfur uh, content still than the global um, environment. Uh, it's a pity we would have felt that it would have been a lot better if the global standard had been 0.1. It isn't, so
0: again, we're just going to have to live with it. Michael, as a, as a box ship operator, are you... Uh, Are you ready for 2020?
2: Um, I think we're ready, but the context is certainly different. Uh, The risks for the sector, I think, are are different uh, compared to maybe tank or or bulk, um, because we have uncertainty about how much of the cost we'll actually be able to to pass on. Our base case is that we will be fully compliant. I think we only have one vessel that has a a scrubber attached to it. Everything else will be burning low sulfur uh, compliant fuel. Um, there are certainly issues about the technical side, the safety side, there are also concerns about the supply uh, in certain locations, but we've managed to enter into contracts to, to cover that uh, for a certain period of time. But the, the risk factor is that you know, we don't have total visibility on how much of the cost can be transferred to our customers. At the end of the day, it has to be transferred because it's such a huge proportion um, of the total cost of a a shipping company. It's not like some small admin fee that you can waive for a big customer. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars per year. Uh, And I think the the risk for the sector in the next three to six months is it will be very messy during that initial period while we work out exactly how much will be transferred uh, in which context. But I think at the end of the day we will get there simply because we have to. Uh, And I think the other risk factor for a lot of uh, container shipping companies, particularly in the next few months, is we've all been forced, like all of shipping, to make decisions about whether we think scrubbers are a good idea or not. Now, somebody's going to be right, and somebody's going to be wrong. And that's a slightly uncomfortable position for the industry to have to have been in. But there we are, um, and I think we're as well prepared as, as we could be in that context. Thank you.
0: And from the bulk carrier perspective, Alex, uh, you were telling me earlier that you're in a relatively comfortable position of being in a market where no one has installed scrubbers virtually.
3: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, uh, we're coming from a different perspective again to Michael and Mark, in that we're in the smaller size bracket of the bulk sector where tramp owners, tonnage providers, nearly zero owners, I think only one owner or one and a half owners have decided to install scrubbers on ships in the handy sector so there's really it technologically um, uh, there hasn't really been a solution for ships of our size and there isn't a market for it given the relatively low amount of um, uh, fuel savings uh, and 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 daily fuel burn on our ships compared to the larger uh, larger vessels so we've just been focused as uh, the rest of our um, uh, size bracket on getting the ships ready to receive a low-sulfur fuel. I could say our technical team and ops team worked very hard uh, over the course of this year to deliver that, and, and we're confident that we can deliver that by the 1st of January through use of uh, additives uh, to clean our tanks. So our job is to make sure that we have ships that our charters want uh, and deliver those ships ready to um, ready for the challenges of I- IMO 2020. Um, it's a relatively um, simple uh, equation for us, given that there are no, no alternatives, no, no no need to use scrubbers. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So, our ship owners seem prepared. James, the banker, do you feel sanguine as
4: the deadline approaches? Are there any issues for your balance sheets? Um, I think. When it comes to regulations i think that definitely we're affecting the shipping industry itself but also for banking ourselves too i think the best what we can do is work with the industry because ultimately we are all following our own regulation in terms of the social responsibility and also the environmental issues in that place too i think it is very hard to just listening to three different type of owners some are ready, some i think that it doesn't really necessarily need that it is hard for Financier to really assess it, especially we are not really a shipping person, so to speak. So we work with clients, so we have to work with clients and able to find those clients who actually is leading in the industry too, because I think, I started accounting 20 something years ago, we talked about environmental cost, but it had not been factored in, into any of the financials. I think ultimately for a company who invests in technology, no one knows right or wrong right now, but I think they're leading, they become a leaders until something happened and the rest of the weakest link, I think, will broke and then they will left the industry. I think it is important to be able to invest in technology and also the banks are also hoping along that way to work with shipping owners like the Poseidon principle that city has been a Our chairman has been driving back to, in that sense, is to be able to understand better from client's perspective, rather being regulated so to speak, that if the industry person can actually self-regulate and put out a roadmap, a proposal, how to deal with environmental factors, I think that would be much better way when the imposition of this law and regulation imposed in the industry. I think this is a part that is far more than just only 2020 IMO we're talking about. Because 2050, we're talking about carbon emission, that will be 30 years later. Up is 80 years old at that time. So I think I won't be responsible for anything of that, but most of the next generation and the next generation will be paying the price of not what we are not doing. Well, thanks, James. You know, I think that um, you know, you've, you've made the
0: bridge there into 2050, and, and mentioning the Poseidon principles was something I wanted to bring up. And your, your boss, I think, we, can we call him Michael Parker, has been very vocal in talking about the Poseidon Principles. Um, I mean, for those of you who are not aware of them, this is where the banks are getting together to establish um, essentially a, a, well, a series of principles that will ensure that green projects receive a lower cost of finance than non-green projects. I, I think to what extent that goes beyond regulation will be interesting. Um, you know, how much will, will you just be insisting on financing things that are legal? I mean, partly we have to wait for IMO to establish that legal framework in terms of the road to 2050.
4: But for that part, I think Hong Kong can play actually a very uh, a big role in that place too. I've been in the industry for 20, 20 years in the shipping, shipping and finance, and we're talking about whether we should copying Singapore but I think come up with the leasing leasing um, uh, structure in, in Hong Kong. Leasing finance is actually very good. The benefit of zero tax is very good. What we could also create is green financing. A capital market, Hong Kong is a, a um, finance city with lots of talents in finance, and it is a part that we cultivate using leasing platform, also financing and cultivate a green bond similar to that will attract a lot of investors, so to speak, in there. We've got Chinese leasing company have been helping the shipping industry over the last, since financial crisis, I have to say. Mm -hmm. And I think they will be the very big players in that market. If we are able in Hong Kong to create this capital market for bond financing, green financing, that will actually help ship owners to ease their issues too when it comes to investing green ships right away. You cannot just have all. All the ships green suddenly, so there will be a short-term disruption. But if we are not doing that, it will always be a bottleneck. I think this is something that Hong Kong could actually make it even better to help that help help the shipping industry uh, to to replenish green 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 ships. Particularly, we're talking about this is the fourth largest uh, shipping register in in the world, and then we're creating this. we have a, already have a finance platform in there. Also have the backing of China, and I think this is something that we could really work deeper into that, rather than waiting for some one day. There might be some black swan situation. There's no financing. There's no US dollar. I don't know what are we going to do with it? I think this is the part is for everyone to really consider that, that happened. No one have expected financial crisis ten years ago, but then that means there might be another one coming up. So I think this is something that we should really prepare for that.
0: Okay, thank you, James. I mean, while we're talking about money, um, Michael, you were a banker, I think, or you worked for a ship owner. Yes. Um, can you envisage issuing
2: green bonds anytime soon? Um, I think, you know, right now, green finance, whether it's bonds or loans, is not really, you know, in, yet in a position to, to drive change. Okay. Uh, all we are seeing so far is loans or bonds where you may get a small discount compared to what you would have paid otherwise. Mm-hmm. Does that really drive your behavior in a different way? And I think the honest answer for most people is no, it doesn't. So what you achieve is, you know, a a green label, which may be different shades of green depending on exactly what you're financing. Um, but have you changed the world? No, no, you haven't. And it raises awareness, and that that's a good thing. But but. But but kind of, so what? I think the next step has to be, okay, who is gonna pay for uh, environmentally friendly green finance to make some change? Mm. Whether that is in the form of a carrot, by making finance available that wouldn't otherwise be available, or in the form of a stick. As in, you cannot have money for that ship unless you do things the right way. And that's not where we are today. But how do you get there? Well, that, that funding cannot be, you know, that, 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 that cost of funding cannot be bridged just by a, a nice ESG or CSR inv- a budget within the within bank. It's got to be the whole supply chain, the whole investor community, the whole shipping community that together chips in to do it. Because I think a lot of the problem of of green uh, issues in shipping is people kind of point to the shipping companies mm-hmm. and say, you guys, you're the bad guys, you're gonna sort it out because you put all this stuff in the sea. Well, hold on, we all benefit from this. Mm-hmm. We all benefit from the supply chain, whether it's stuff that goes in bulk ships or tankers or, or inside container boxes, ultimately everybody's, everybody's benefiting. And so we need to find the mechanism to transfer that cost and allocate it fairly across the whole system because right now we're not there and therefore we're not able to drive change. Yeah, and that's a very important point, isn't it, that shipping's not separate from society. It's
0: you know, part if, of it. If yeah. shipping makes world trade possible, it can't be in a special category to, you know, somehow well, be in advance of the rest of society.
2: And It's also not financially in the position yeah. to <laughs> resolve the world's no. green problems. So, together yeah. we have to, to find a way to do it.
0: Yeah, interesting. So, Mark, from your perspective,
2: uh, yeah,
0: as an operator of you know, tankers, Um, Would you see an irony in tankers being LNG-fueled in the future, carrying oil and its products around the world? And and can you envisage operating LNG-fueled tankers in the near future? Do you think that's the answer to...? uh,
1: I think there's a lot of hype around
0: LNG. And um, I'll be quite
1: honest, I'm not pro-LNG for the main reason that, if anything, it's a step change in the decarbonisation chain. And I think, unfortunately, what's being touted at the the moment is sort of a great solution for an immediate problem, which is 2020. And by the way, it can help you with 2050, but it doesn't solve 2050. And I'd encourage more balanced discussion and understanding around that as a a strategy. Um, What it is doing is creating a, a, um, a template, if you like, for what it looks like to create an infrastructure for supply of fuel. Uh, And that can perhaps be built on for other alternative types of fuels that that do come along the way. But I just wanted to add a point. The IMO is the format and the forum for building the regulation around this. What I get concerned about is regionalization of decision making, Mm. and we've seen this before. We see it in the United States, we see it in Europe, we see it in various other places around the world, where suddenly people come up and saying, well, I'm taking this out of the hands of the IMO, and I'm putting it into the hands of the people who are closest to the problem. That's wrong. We need to put our force behind the IMO, uh, and we need to make sure that the representation we have there is unified. It's very difficult. I think I counted I'm members of about eight different NGOs, uh, together with the Flag Society, all of which have an independent voice, and none of which, to be honest, are very unified. So when you talk about the slow steaming, and you know what President Macron and that really might know about shipping, I don't know. But uh, at the end of the day, remember, if we were mandated to go slow speed, all those of us who've invested in technology would actually be a complete and utter waste because it would become a drag on a ship rather than an enhancement. So there is no simple answer to this. Um, And we just think that at the end of the day, remember 10 years ago when we were building eco-ships, there was a lot of question around the value of eco-ships. And to be honest, most of the finance people thought that they were economical ships. But really, they were ecological ships because
0: they burned less fuel. So it's just which side of the coin do you want to flip? Mm. Okay, does that then bring us quickly back to the role of the charterers? You know, the customer for ships. Um, Alex, in in your sector, are you seeing much pressure from charterers to provide um, an ecological ship rather than an economic ship? I would say that the the pressure from charterers is to deliver
3: um, in well, in our industry <coughs> pretty standard ships. I mean, the 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 demand for uh, eco-ships is is one that uh, was somewhat... Uh, I think there was a bit of hype around it a few years ago. Uh, if you take bog-standard, nice, uh, quality Japanese ships, the types that we have, um, which are all steaming at, um, quote-unquote, eco-speeds these days, those seem to be just as much in, in demand. Um, We're in a segment of the market that is completely under uh, underbuilt. the Clarksons, I think, are saying that next year the net fleet growth uh, is going to be under one percent. No one's really uh, nailing their colours to Mars as to what kind of new ships they want to invest in, so there's been really very little new building activity. So Chargers are faced with, you know, the many of ships that are on the market today, the average Uh, useful life uh, of our kind of ship is the longest in the industry is about 30 years so any kind of solution uh, green solution needs to take into account um, the shelf life of the ships that we have today Um, talk of uh, you know talk of industry consolidation and there being a more unified uh, voice as that happens, I think, again, doesn't apply to the uh, vast majority of the, the ship owning uh, world, which is still extremely fragmented, and I can't see how that's going to change anytime soon. I completely agree with Mark that the IMO has to be the, the forum uh, where this is sorted out, and I think the challenge is going to be to kind of give more of a voice, uh, encourage more active participation in, in, in the, from the smaller players. Uh, in this industry, um, who uh, at the, you know, don't, have the, don't have the voice that they perhaps uh, need to have and uh, represent what, at the end of the day, is the vast majority of the, of the seagoing capacity
0: uh, of the world. Yeah, and how, how might that happen? I mean, to the whole panel, you know, how, how does the industry manage to do that? Is it through trade associations?
3: Well, if, I and mean, then for a long
0: time, I think
3: lo, 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 local um, ship owning associations play a big, big part in that, such as the HKSOA, which does a fantastic job, um, and the engagement through those grassroots local associations through to more central global bodies. I think that must be the must be the way forward, and I think the fact that we're all talking about this. Uh, issue today is a, is a good sign itself. I think wouldn't have be been the case a few years ago.
1: I think by and large there is a willingness for the industry to embrace a need for change. But you're right, Alex, it is a very fractionalized industry. So you are going to get pockets of resistance. Um, but I think we've demonstrated an ability to overcome um, challenging regulation in the past certainly in the tanker sector we had the single hull uh, phase in which for us was pretty momentous a number of years ago but you know we're still here to tell the tale and i think there is a there is a way that this can be done um, it's not necessarily going to be nice but it is going to be popular because the public sentiment um is is basically indicating that you have to do something around this
4: if i may mm. actually the financial crisis itself will actually help sell Uh, Regulate part of this oversupply situation and over investment in shipping. I think the drying up of the capital will actually, and also coming up with all this regulation uh, in the banking sectors too, I think that would help part of this problem. Talk about segmented. It is in fact very cemented industry, that's why there are lots of issues in that place They're not profitable and too many people coming into this sector and drive the margin down and then there are easy money coming in and keep burning itself and then ultimately German banks have left and some of the European banks might have to look at the portfolio. Globally, we are talking about global, global economy is the lowest ever in the 10 years. And what does that mean, right? Is not it a good timing for not to have too much capital now investing in ships that no one wants later? I think this is part of it, everyone needs to take the responsibility to be part of it, um, to contribute what they know, because it involves so many stakeholders. When you mentioned, I totally agree with you. The LNG might only be a stopgap approach, but at least it got something right now. We should encourage people on technology. No one knows where the technology take us to another end, but for sure, not doing it, we don't have it. Putting slow steaming, I think, is a good idea. I think, but then. As you mentioned, that means there's no, no incentive to really invest, to improve, just better. But it's not the best. It sounds like to me when you mention about ecological is exclusively, oh sorry, ecological and, and, and economical are two different directions. I think maybe we should think about the mindset differently now. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if we continue to do so, we will never be able to bring it together. One of our clients, a Malaysian client, invested in dual LNG vessels. It's very expensive, double the, uh, the, 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 the value of a normal same type of ships, as it, because it's a dual, dual, dual LNG and, 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 and bunkers. And then they were also concerned, how i am going to get financing? Ultimately, a big oil company chartered the ships for 19 years. That means, in fact, you get financing even cheaper than before. I think they are people, their capitals available for companies who are willing to drive green. And we see that. We, we, see, we see leaders in that sector. But you don't expect everyone to be leaders in that sense. I think this is something that we need to work towards when we change our mindset for not uh, ecological and economical. I think we should think it that way.
0: Yeah, so we need to align the two ecos. And, and I guess in the past, the transition from different technologies has taken a long time. You know, when we went from sail to steam to the motor ship, these transitions took a while. But there is a growing sense that there's no magic bullet out there. There's no you know, drop-in new technology that's going to replace the oil-fired motor ship overnight. You know, it's going to take a while. There's going to be risk involved. Um, there will be winners and losers in, in the marketplace. Um, can I take a poll in, in the room, just you know, immediately? Who, who believes that LNG is the immediate best option for new building ships? Can you just raise your hands? So is that as much as a quarter of the room? Maybe a third? And who strongly feels the other way that LNG is not the fuel of the future that's available today? Maybe a bit less, so we've got a lot of people on the fence, which is not the most comfortable place to be. Um, but, but I think that, you know, that sums up the quandary, doesn't it? You know, I think uh, there's a lot of talk of technology and innovation. And I think the market is maybe being, to some extent, misled by what is suitable for a small ferry in a Norwegian fjord or, a, you know, a, a ferry trading point to point on, you know, a longer route or a liner operator who may have gone for LNG where they can control where they're bunkering more easily, but is perhaps less comfortable for an operator of small bulk carriers like Taylor, um, whose ships could go anywhere and everywhere. Um, But if I can just say, I think think what
1: we lose sight of is that everybody just keeps thinking about main engine propulsion as being the only important means of, of change. And there's another angle to this. If I was able to replace a generator on my ship I could save 10% of my fuel bill immediately if I could replace one of the generators with a sustainable fuel means. So instead of everybody just focusing on the main engine, why don't we focus on the low-hanging fruit that is much easier to replace because we're just talking about electrical generation that can be load smoothed and everything that would give us an immediate 10% reduction in emissions if we can find the sustainable fuel source for that. So again, the, the eyes of the prize, of course, are on the main engine propulsion, but there are many other steps on the way that are much more simple and much more manageable. So I think, you know, it's, again, it's about balancing the conversation and listening to
0: alternatives that could be out there. And, and is maybe the slow uptake of, of people who want to go down that road, um, the inherent conservatism of the industry, or is it you know more related to the su- sophistication or lack of it of our management? I, you know, Mark, I, I recall you talking about two of your ships, steaming south out of Suez, in identical you know ballast condition, <coughs> both sisters, yeah. and you were getting completely different data from the ships in terms of fuel consumption.
1: Yeah, I joke. I joke that I'm the biggest little data guy in the room. Um, Basically, what I like is data in the hands of people who can do something about it. And that's the captains and the chief engineers working together. So we've got sophisticated technology on the ship that measures in liters or grams, not in not in tons per day. Um, and we're able to show that any differences that we make are immediate and impactful um, by the third mate being allowed to actually touch that fuel lever on the bridge. When many of us were at sea, I'm pretty sure that was the, the sole domain of the captain and the chief engineer. To Adjust um, that's changed. So we do have a lot of technology, and we can measure the differences in different types of equipment that are put on board the ship, and that way validate some of the claims that are made by salespeople, who, by the way, always do overpromise. Um, so yeah, we we do see differences. We do see differences in in um, uh, hull designs. We do see differences also in the way that captains and chief engineers themselves operate the ships. So when we talk about the human element within all this, there's still some room to move. There's still some room for education.
0: Um, are we taking questions from the floor, Nicholas? Does anybody want to contribute to the debate at this stage? I don't know if we've got, some, we've got a roving microphone in the corner here. Any operators with a perspective?
1: if you allow me to ask the following question don't you think i mean with the eye on the immediate 2020 don't you think life would have been a lot easier and simpler if the imo had simply said everybody needs to burn compliant fuel i mean i asked that question to an imo representative in one of our forums and the answer i got was about plurality and diversity and letting people decide but I have the feeling that this plurality and diversity has created tremendous fluidity, volatility, uncertainty, and nobody knows what's going on. So I would be grateful to have your opinions. I may, maybe I can just give a view. I would have been happy if it had been 0.1 and 3.5. I think the 0.5 is questionable, because that's introduced a, a, an element of risk to us where we didn't need risk before. So. The point about about you know scrubber non scrubber I I'm not going down that route because you know one day I might end up buying a ship with a scrubber but you know I wouldn't say I wouldn't I wouldn't buy it second hand but um, so I'm I'm not going to go into the debate of is scrubber right scrubber wrong because I think that becomes an emotional debate probably more than a than a factual one but um, a choice of two would definitely be better than a choice of three.
2: Yeah, and it also leads on to a wider context. You know, we talked about, you know, is the industry moving fast enough and is it because we're old fashioned and don't want to take the risk? Well, there is one huge risk out there, which is the first mover risk. If you are the first guy who goes big time into LNG, maybe you'll win or maybe you'll lose big time. And none of us knows. Mm. And whether we're talking about scrubbers or not scrubbers or LNG or whether any of these alternative fuel sources are credible and available in sufficient numbers or not, you know, none of us really knows. And w- any of us could go into a you know, capital decision where we're doing it with the best of intentions on the basis of the best of information available, and yet it's completely wrong in a number of years. Mm. And when you are the people having to write that check, that's one hell of a responsibility. And unless there's a way for us to somehow mitigate that as part of green finance or however else, it becomes a problem. And there is, by the way, an additional risk in the area of green finance. If people are very keen to market it, banks under pressure for regulators or any other reason, you could end up forcing people into making decisions which, in a couple of years, with hindsight, might not look quite so smart. So that also has to be managed as well. Any other questions from the floor?
0: Lloyd's List.
4: Uh, hello from Lloyd's List. I have a question uh, regarding the uh, carbon levy uh, which seems to be uh, getting the uh, support from an increasing number of owners. I mean the BW group chairman recently uh, proposed a uh, $10 uh, per few uh, sorry per tonne of fuel Carbon levy, and also we heard that uh, you know a number of largest uh, shipping associations are uh, drafting their proposal at the IMO about a uh, levy of two dollars uh, per ton of fuel. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, what's the view of the uh, the speakers on the panel? Thanks.
1: Well, first of all, I'm glad that the language is right, that it is a levy and not a tax. Because once we start talking about a tax, we're in a completely different environment. So thanks for getting that right. I think that there's a number of things on the table around, well, what are we going to do with the finance? You know, if this is the UNFCCC, you know, 300 billion or whatever that they need, and this is shipping's paying in for that, th- that's not it. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about any kind of offset structure, which then um, becomes a completely different um, um, sort of e- equation. I'd, and I think shipping can't afford to be seen in any way to be to be promoting an offset strategy. Um, I think what there is discussion discussion around that I I certainly welcome and I'm part of the the discussion forum on is R&D. And I think um, we have to accept that we we don't have the answers right now and we need to find ways that we can come about um, developing these these solutions. So an R&D structure with a clearly defined mandate and use of proceeds and administration of these funds could be something certainly that shipping could, could engage with. So I think there's, there's a, a stronger degree of willingness to, to accept a, a levy for, uh, for a specific outcome um, that is controlled and is helpful in trying to find um, uh, our, our own level of responsibility to
4: come up with this? Just just a view. I agree with you, Mark, on the R&D part. Uh, I have come across of scrubber manufacturers who asked me about financing. And there's no, because when the industry is still debating whether scrubber works or not as a financier, we just need to get our education up to speed, too. I think part of that is how you mentioned it's like an emotional debate of whether it's right or wrong but not doing it does it make it better or worse we have no idea but the thing is what we can do as a financier is to come up with a program with export agencies who might be able to help invest in those um, uh, those scrubbers for example but there's another part of technicalities in there there's a mortgage financing how you're gonna get the scrubber finance I think this is a part that it doesn't get it around lots of hurdles in the sense because not everyone everyone actually know the industry well enough to from point to point. But when it comes to development of a new product itself, look at the auto industry, very simple. How many years did it take them to actually finally get to do something not fossil fuel? But then creating batteries also environmental, how are you going to measure that part? I do think the government should be able to provide that Supporting R&D so that the industry can follow one set and rather than put it all on the responsibility of the shipping company As as as, as uh, Michael mentioned it should in fact with a combination of that even we as a financier We can only be part of it not driving it either We should be able to share our view what our concern and from each of the stakeholders. There's a shipbuilders I think this is the part that there are not many shipbuilders in the world now. I think this is the part that where the government can start looking into that, then look at the eco-ship design, then part of it will be a company providing engine to look at what will be good for the, uh, uh, for the propulsion. And then energy sectors, to have to develop certain kind of sustainability. Some of my clients would mention, where am I going to get low-sulfur oil? Because it's so expensive right now. Everyone is looking at that not as an environmental cost, rather than like a financial cost. Or maybe some sector will be thinking it's a good opportunity for me to get some profit, win for win for profit out of it. I think this is the part that, I think this is the industry that involves a lot of a global citizen in the sense. Very different than any other industry. I think this is the part that the IMO is facilitating the industry to give input so that before the regulation from the government say, hey, you have to do this. And no one likes to be slapped on anything. Because if you look at LNG, not LNG, there's still some portion of that. You cannot exclude one part of that, or we don't listen to it, just only LNG. I think this is a part that we need to have that mindset to come with something we're at least agreeable with a lot of people and able to influence. The smaller part of it. I look at the industry; it's easier because you don't have a lot of shipbuilders, you don't have a lot of capitals. There are not many shipping, many money coming in the shipping right now. It's a good time to really take the nip in the bud, drive this forward. Okay, thank you, James.
0: Any last words from the panel? We've got (laughs) two minutes and fifty-seven seconds left. Anyone got anything they really want to share before the clock runs out? you know i think at the end of the day there's
1: there's still people on the ships and the people side of the business needs to be clearly understood because we can come up with all types of fantastic solutions but if there isn't a fair and, and primary understanding that the safety of the operation has has to suit those seafarers first as well um, then I think you know we're remiss in, in doing our jobs and of course we all know that the answers out there of, of, of technology do exist and of course it's the it's the word that never may be spoken but you know the nuclear option that's out there is one that I think I we'll think all, we'll all stay away from. Um, but it's kind of strange to think about it, that there is a solution out there, it's just that we don't like it. And I think we're gonna have to you know, get over some of those hurdles
0: um, in, the, in the years ahead because there's, there's many more to come. I see Bjorn nodding nuclear there. It certainly seems to be an option that the engineers are comfortable with, but politically seems to be impossible. Um, lots of speed low carbon. Um, Well, thank you very much to our excellent panel um, for getting, well, helping get this forum started and Hong Kong Maritime Week as well. Thank you for taking part. Um, So I wonder if you could show your appreciation for our panel in sharing their thoughts.